We're in a brand new series today called Necessary Sins. And I want to ask you a couple of questions as we get started. Would you agree with me that in America, we have a tendency to judge certain sins as worse than other certain sins? Would you all agree with that? Okay. Yeah, that, that was, y'all were so much more enthusiastic than I expected you to be. I guess it's because I'm not used to having people in the room. <clears throat> many times, not all the times, many times, it's a matter of comparison. For example, have you ever said something like this? I may have struggles. Now notice that your sinful behaviors, we classify, we tend to, tend to, maybe not in this room, we tend to classify as struggles, other people's stuff we tend to classify as sins. So I may have my struggles, but at least I don't struggle with that. And it may even be the same person on your row. I don't struggle with what they struggle with, right? And we try to take the focus off ourselves. Or maybe we say this one. Nobody's perfect. Go to the next one. Nobody's perfect, meaning me. Nobody's perfect, but at least I'm not as imperfect as they are. And what we do is we try to take the focus off of our own sins and put it on someone else's sins. You notice no one ever compares themselves to Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. They always find somebody lower down on the scale, right, than they are. And so we, we hope you won't notice that we're not, we're not as perfect as someone else. We actually hope you'll look at someone else like Osama bin Laden. I'm not perfect, but I'm no Osama bin Laden. I'm not perfect. I'm no Doug Washburn. That's a great comparison, by the way. You can use that one all the time because God will go, yeah, you're right. You're not. You're not like that, that bald-headed preacher. I think all of us would agree. Let me, let me just find out. All of us would agree rape is wrong. All of us would agree that premeditated murder is wrong. I'm not talking about self-defense. We have a license to carry class. We believe in the First Amendment, Second Amendment, right to self-defense, all of that. I'm talking about premeditated murder. Everybody agree that that's wrong? Would everyone agree that the problems that you struggle with are not as bad as rape or murder? You're like, it's a trick question. We're doing a whole series on this. I don't know what to say. Over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to try not to look at it from the perspective of, of people in East Texas or America or even the world. What we're going to try to do is discover God's perspective. And you and I cannot manufacture God's perspective. We have to ask him to give us his perspective. And the way we're going to do that is for the next four weeks, we're going to start off each of these sermons by praying a two-verse prayer that comes straight out of Psalm 139. King David prayed this. I'm going to read it once, then I'm going to ask you to, to pray it out loud with me as we begin this series. Here's the first time. Let me read it. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I think I'm actually crooked here. I got to get in the middle of the camera. There we go. Okay. Test me and, and know my anxious thoughts. N notice what I have highlighted here. Point out anything in me that offends you. Be very, very careful praying this prayer because a holy God will point out to you anything in you that offends him. But if we want to be the people of God and we want to be the light I pray all the time that God makes us a light out here on this hill. You know, as you're coming up, my kids, when they were little, we were driving up the hill right out here to, to get in. They, they said, this is like a big honking roller coaster, you know, that you're going to take off to infinity. Imagination. We're out here on this hill for a reason, and we want to be a light. If we're going to be a light, we have to pray this prayer. God, reveal, point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. All right, so I want you to pray this out loud with me. We're going to do it for four weeks. This will be a great two verses for you to memorize. Here, let's do it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a prayer that your heavenly Father wants to answer in your life. So I'm hoping that those of you even at home 
um, are praying along. Now, let's, let's suppose today I decide to go out of the parking lot, and instead of doing my little U-turn and going towards the loop and towards my house, I decide to go to Tyler at a very high rate of speed. Now, this is all hypothetical. I would never do this in real life. And let's say that I decide to go 90 in a 70, and I fly past a law enforcement officer. What is that law enforcement officer probably going to do? He's probably going to pull me over because I am breaking the law. I am speeding. Now, by the way, I don't know if you heard this. I heard this in, in Ontario, Canada last week. There was a teenager, because the, the highways were empty, he was in his daddy's car. He decided to test it out. They pulled him over doing 191 miles per hour, and they immediately took his little hiney to jail, and they confiscated his daddy's car. Okay, so, so my little 20 miles per hour, that's not as bad as 100, 120 miles per hour over over the speed limit, but okay, I digress. So I pull out here, and by the way, in Dallas, they said this was happening too. During the pandemic, when there wasn't as many traffic, as much traffic on the, on the roads, people were flying, and the cops were saying, on camera, they were saying, please don't do this. We will take you to jail, right? Okay, so I'm going 90 in a 70. Our friendly local law enforcement officer pulls me over, and he says to me, what's the, what's the first thing he or she is gonna say when they, when, do you know why I stopped you, or do you know how fast you were going? And, and what if I were to respond, yes, I do, but I didn't cheat on my taxes. <laughs> the confused law enforcement officer might say, what does that have to do, to do with you speeding? Absolutely nothing, but I want you to know I'm not a bad guy. Do you know how fast you were going? Yes, but I didn't steal from my, my neighbors and I've never committed murder. What does that have to do with speeding? Absolutely nothing. But I just want you to know I'm not that bad a guy. I just break little laws, not big ones. What's he going to do? He's probably going to write me a ticket. So I broke the law. I deserve to get some type of punishment for that. But it was just this small law. Well, James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. In James chapter 2, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Let's explain, explain it this way. <clears throat> Let's suppose that, that I'm dangling off a 1,000-foot cliff and my, my wrists are, are chained together and I'm hanging by a chain. How many links in that chain need to break for me to plunge to my death? Only one. It doesn't matter that all the other links perform magnificently. If there is one link that breaks, I've plunged to my death. That is exactly what James is saying. You break one of God's laws that makes you a lawbreaker, which means you will not go to heaven because only perfect people get into heaven. The only way you're going to get into heaven is if someone else pays the price for you because you cannot pay it for yourself. You deserve hell. So speeding breaks man's law. The first necessary sin we're going to talk about today is lying, and it breaks God's law. And lying starts very early, doesn't it? When I was in third grade, we moved from Fellowship Baptist Church, which was Missionary Baptist, which was girls only wear long skirts. It's got to be down to your ankles because it is sinful if you show more than your ankles. Anyway. We moved to First Baptist Church where you could wear skirts, and it was such a freeing experience. Well, when I was in third grade, one of the things I noticed at the Southern Baptist Church that we didn't have at the Missionary Baptist Church was these things. This is called an offering envelope. How many of y'all went to a church that had an offering envelope? Okay, several of you know what I'm talking about. This was the coolest thing in the world to me as a kid. I remember I got my own. They encouraged children to have their own envelopes. And you notice it has a number up there because that identified you. I think, where's Teresa? I think we still have... Um, 
I think we still have numbers that identify you. If you're a giving person, is in that right? Where is she? I don't know where she is. Yes. So we have numbers in our, in our uh, financial software that identify your family. So this was the number, and I got my own, and I'm in third grade, and there's some cool kids in third grade at, at First Baptist Borger. And so look what it says. It says, uh, name, amount, all that. Present? Well, of course I'm present, idiot. I'm here. Okay, so I checked that box. Bible brought. Whether I brought it or not, I checked that box. Bible read daily. I checked that box. Lesson studied. Giving. Worship attendance. Outreach. I, there were even times I checked outreach. Do you think in third grade I was knocking on doors, inviting people to come to First Baptist Church, Burger? No. I was lying. And do you think I fooled my Sunday school teacher? Oh, that Doug Washburn. Man, he's going to be a preacher someday. No, he knew I was lying. He loved me anyway. I wish he would have called me out on it. Why did I do that in third grade? Because I desperately wanted to be liked and approved by my new church and my new Sunday school teacher and my new First Baptist friends. I wanted approval. So let me ask you, have you ever told a little white lie, a little white lie, just fudge the truth a little, anyone? Is that a lie? Some of you aren't sure. Some of you are like, well, not really. You just lied in church, right? <laughs> if you have children, did you have to teach them how to lie? No, 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 no. You can have a child covered in chocolate come running in the, in the living room. Did you just eat chocolate? No. Where did you get all that chocolate? I don't know. You ate chocolate, didn't you? No, I did not eat the chocolate. Right? Where did they learn to lie? The same place you did, in your mama's womb. There is a sin nature that is passed on to you from your father. It's one of the reasons that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had to be born of a virgin so that he did not have a sin nature. We, we come out. You don't have to teach them what's wrong. You have to teach them what's right. And even though we may laugh at someone else's child lying about eating the chocolate because it's not nearly as funny when it's your child, but if somebody else, ha, ha, sucker, right? It's not really that funny in the long run, especially if that child develops a lifelong habit of lying, of deceit. And, and if we're going to pray this prayer, point out anything in me that offends you, um, then, then we've got we to be ready for what God's going to say about lying. And so let me just tell you what God's, God says about lying. Here's his perspective. God hates lying, and I cannot, that's on your slide there, God hates lying. I cannot emphasize this enough. Because look what this verse says in, in Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord detests, go ahead, the next one, go to the, the verse. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in the truth. That word detests, we think it's no big deal, but that word detest actually means something disgusting or something that makes you nauseous. So our lying makes God want to vomit. There's a few times in Scripture that God says, I want to throw up. It's when you're, when you're neither hot nor cold or when you lie. It makes your Heavenly Father want to vomit. Well, why would God react so negatively to just, just a little white lies, just a little bit of poison? Well, I think Jesus gives us at least one huge reason in, in John 8, 44. Jesus says, for you are children. He's talking to all of these religious people, right? Jewish people. For you are children of your father, the devil. He's specifically talking to the religious leaders. 
And you love to do the evil things he does, your father, the devil or Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, the murderer, the, the, the father of lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. How do you really feel, Jesus, about lying? When you lie, you are connected to your father, the devil. And Satan, it's interesting to me, Satan actually means, literally means um, adversary or you could call it accuser. It's a legal term. It's the prosecuting attorney when you are the one on trial and he accuses you. He opposes God, he opposes God's people. And here's the interesting thing about the adversary. When he talks to you and me about God, he lies because he does not want us to know about grace and mercy. But when he talks to God as the accuser, he tells the truth about you and me. Oh, that guy, he, he, he's into pornography. That guy, he's a liar. That guy, he does this. He tells the truth about us. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you are... If you are a member of his family, of God's family, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been forgiven of your sins, he's the leader of your life. Whenever the accuser accuses you before God the Father, he'll say, this guy is this, and God will say, no. And he'll say, objection, he'll say, objection overruled. How can you overrule my objection? By the blood of Jesus Christ. This one's covered, his sins are no more. He's mine. Lying makes God want to vomit. And according to Jesus, lying points other people to the devil, the accuser, and, and instead of pointing people to God. And this is a very, very big deal because when you lie, when you lie, you identify, you glorify, you worship, according to Jesus, your father in hell. But when you tell the truth, you identify, you glorify, you worship your father in heaven. God delights in people who tell the truth. And some of you right now, you're just going, Doug, this is the first day we've been open. Lighten up. Ain't nobody coming back next week. You're supposed to smile and tell me a corny joke. I'm sorry, I can't, can't go there. Um, wrong church. We are going to tell you what the Word of God says. So what does the Word of God say about lying? Well, let's look at it. First of all, it says that we lie to others. And here's what Jeremiah says. I just finished Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Now, I'm in the minor prophets. And the minor prophets doesn't mean that they don't have something good to say. It just means they don't have as much, um, the, the material is less than the major prophets. And uh, Jeremiah is one of the major prophets. And he says this, friend deceives friend and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to lie. They weary themselves with sinning. Now, some of you are like, I'm not a liar. Stop calling me a liar. Okay, research. Research has, has figured this out. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm sorry. Quit, quit laughing. Research has indicated that women, females, there's only two options, male, female. Okay. The, women lie on average. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying on average, and research has figured this out, lie three times a day. And some of you are going, that's not so bad. <laughs> Unless you multiply it by 365. That comes out to 1,095 lies per year. That's getting pretty bad. Now, if you live to the average age of 70, that would be 76,650 lies in your lifetime. What is wrong with you women? I'm going, I'm going. You jumped ahead of me, but guys, it's worse. According to this same research, I wish I hadn't read this part, 
Men lie on average six times a day. We're twice as bad as the women. They knew it. They knew it all along. They could have told you that before. So that's 2,190 lies per year. And you dudes, if we live to 70, that's 153,300 lies in our lifetime. That's embarrassing. Oh, it's just a little lie that adds up. And that's terrible. Um, you're saying, well, do we... Do we do we really like? Okay, you, you be the judge. Traffic was bad today is the reason I'm late to work when really you slept in. Honey, you look great in those jeans. Well, she does not look great in those jeans. <laughs> so I have to tell you this. We have, see, we have safe words in our house, and, and, uh, and uh, my girls actually taught me this, right? So they will ask each other, do I look good in this? And, and so what they say is, mm, not my favorite. I can say that because she wants to know because early on she'd say, does this look good or is this? She, I think her word was frumpy. Does this make me look frumpy? And I didn't even know what that was. And, and so I'm like, first time she asked me, we were newlyweds. And I'm like, what do you want me to say? Because, you know, it's obvious. I mean, I'm going to tell her. You look good, baby. If she's, if she's asking, I'm like, it's not my favorite. Um, anyway, we lie to protect ourselves or we lie to avoid hurting someone's feelings. There was this girl um, that I dated years ago. My first full-time job was in Austin, a full-time ministry job as a youth minister at a Baptist church. And I would, I really, I only dated good girls. I only dated the type of girls that you should marry. That's from my whole life. I was taught you don't, you don't date someone that you won't possibly marry. And so I wouldn't even start out dating somebody that I, that I shouldn't marry. And so I was dating this girl. And, uh, and I, I actually, I'm sorry, this is not funny. I actually knew very early on that I wasn't supposed to date her, but when you're out of college and, and you're in a Baptist church and, and your singles are, are two people in their 20s and eight people in their 70s, that's our singles department, there's not a lot of prospects. You don't bar hop and all. Anyway, okay, so I was lonely, and so I started going out with this girl. She was a good girl. She was a good girl. But I knew I wasn't supposed to marry her, and, and I'm trying to get closer to the Lord at this time, and, and, I, and I really didn't want to hurt her feelings. So I dated her way longer than I should have, which ended up hurting her feelings. I mean, okay, I see that now. Yeah, the women are shaking their heads. So, so when I finally decide I, I need to break up with this girl, I tell her, and, 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 and I did the, it's not you, it's me, and you're great, and la, 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 right? Got to go. And I get in my car, and I drive back to my apartment. I'm like, ah, I'm sorry, Lord, that I carried that on way too long. I should not have done that. Please forgive me, Lord. Don't think anything of it. About three or four days later. So you have to understand that the main building was over here. Well, there was a gym over here, and the youth minister's um, office was right next to the gym, which was great. Uh, but anyway, um, it's separate from the other building. And so I hear my door, my outside door open, and somebody walks in. I'm thinking, who's coming in over here? Because nobody ever came to see me. I always had to go to the other building, and it's the girl. And she comes in, and she sits down. And I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. And um, she didn't buy anything of it's not her, it's, not, it's me. And she didn't buy any of my lies, right, that I told her about why we broke up. She said, I want to know why, and I want to know right now. And I'm thinking, dear God, get me out of this situation. And so I started, I started being nice, and I was going, okay, um, here's all your good qualities. Whoo, yeah. But, but I just, I'm not ready to be in a relationship right now <laughs> and don't want to be tied down. You know, all of that stuff. 
Well, I don't remember how long this went on, but um, it went on a long time, way longer than I was comfortable with, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this? She was, she was like um, a police investigator, you know, the, the, that was not going to let go until you cracked, and I did. And so at one point, she goes, she circled back around. It's like a, you know, touch-and-go landings. So I'd think, oh, we're almost done. Yes, I'm going to get out of this, and she's going to leave, and then she'd take off. I want to know why, da, 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 da. and finally I said, it is you! It's all you. You make me crazy. <laughs> this is the reason right here. This is the reason I could never be married to you because I would kill you. You know, I just, it all came flying out in this one moment. <laughs> this is not funny. <laughs> and, and she goes, and I, I don't think I even got a chance to apologize. She got up and, and walked out and, and, uh, and she stayed in our church. You talk about awkward. Um, she stayed in our church, but she eventually got married, and, and I'm happy for them and good, good folks. But we, I should not have been going out with her in the first place. I was trying to spare her feelings. Did I ultimately spare her feelings? No. All lying did was made it worse. We lie to others. Little lies, big lies. We also lie to God. In Acts chapter 5... Um, there's this married couple, and what's going on in, in Acts chapter 5 is the church is just taking off in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem's really going through a difficult time, and so what would happen is the, the people like Barnabas, you've heard about Barnabas, he was a very mature Christian, his, his nickname means encourager. Barnabas sells some, some property, and he goes and he gives it to the apostles and gives the full amount, and he says, however you need to use this, use this, and this was a cool thing, and, and the people were selling stuff, they're bringing it to the apostles. Well, this, this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, they decide to sell some property let's get in on this thing nothing wrong with that except they said let's we'll, we'll sell it for this price and we're going to keep a certain amount of the price then we're going to go to the apostles and we're going to say we're giving you everything we sold this for right so they were deceiving they were they were lying to one another and here's what peter says about them then peter said ananias why have you let satan fill your heart the accuser the liar the murderer from the beginning the adversary, why have you let him fill your heart? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. Now, some of you go, going, man, this is really harsh. Check out what he says. The property was yours to sell or not to sell. Nobody told you to sell that property as long as you wish. After selling it, the money was yours to give away. You could have given this amount, this amount, or this amount. You didn't lie to us. You lied to the Holy Spirit. How could you do such a thing? You weren't lying to us. You were lying to God. And immediately, he fell over dead, and they go and they pick Ananias up, and they carry him out. About three hours later, his wife shows up, not knowing that her husband had died and been judged by God because of lying to God. And Peter says to her, and I think he's wanting her to tell the truth. I honestly do. He says, did you sell the property for this amount? And she said, yes. And he said, your husband died, and the men who carried him out are at the door. You've lied to God. She falls over dead. It is a big thing to lie to God. Now, I'm not going to say that if you do that today that you're going to die. You might die. This is up to God. But at the beginning of the church, God was saying, this is such a big deal. Don't you dare lie to God. Don't you dare lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, <laughs> we lie to each other. We lie to God. And then maybe the biggest one is we lie to ourselves. Look what Paul, uh, David says in Psalm 119, verse 27. 
Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. Psalm 119 is all about the law of God. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your law? Your word I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. So this is later on in that chapter. He says, help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. I think he's weeping with sorrow because he's not doing everything that God wants him to do. And then he says, encourage me by your word. And then look what I've got highlighted here. Keep me from lying to myself. You ever lied to yourself? Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. Well, how do we lie to ourselves? First one. Go ahead and put that up there if you would, Nate. I don't have a problem with lying, anger, lust, pornography, cheating, whatever. You fill in the blank. I don't have a problem with it. I can stop anytime I want to. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Next one. I'm not the problem in my marriage. They are. It's all on them. If they would just fix themselves, my life would be great. How come you've been saying that for four or five marriages now and your life's still not great? It's because maybe you're still in the marriage. I'm not saying there's not legitimate reasons to get a divorce. There are. There's two clear biblical instructions about divorce. There's a whole lot of unbiblical reasons. And sometimes it's because we're lying to ourselves and we think, oh, I'm not the problem. We go over here and we find out we have exactly the same problems in the next one because we've been lying to ourselves. The reason I don't go to church is blank. Can I just tell you whatever your reason is? The reason is you choose not to go. You can blame it on people. You can blame it on a pastor. You can, and people do all the time. I hear it all the time. Well, this pastor, he did this. Well, when I go to a church, I don't worship the pastor. I worship God. And if you're worshiping the pastor, holy cow, wake up. <laughs> you're dumb. Um, <laughs> I know one, and, and don't worship him. The reason I'm in debt is, well, my car broke down. I got student debt. and da-da-da. The reason you're in debt is because you chose to be in debt. No other reason. You've chosen to go into debt. So, so quit lying to yourself. And honestly, the, the, the biggest reason... By, would you go get that cross? I left it out there. My, my illustration left it out there. Some of you, the biggest lie you're telling yourselves is that you're okay with God, that you're in right standing with God. And, I'm a, and, and I fear that you're going to hear those words when you stand before God and he's going to say, depart from me because I don't know you. You're lying to yourself. If I were to ask you today, how are you doing spiritually? Here's, here's some of the things that I've heard in my lifetime. I believe everything, every word in the Bible. I just don't do it. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So he says love equals obedience. Don't tell me you believe the Bible if you're not going to do it. James, half-brother Jesus, says faith without works is dead. He says, show me your faith um, without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Just put it right there. Be fine. Thank you, babe. Thank you, Vanna. Here's another one. I can worship God just as much in my boat as I can sitting in a church service. Technically, that's true. My question is, do you? I'm a preacher. I'm a full-time Christian. When I'm in a boat, I'm looking at the water, I'm skiing, I'm fishing. About the only time that I, I worship when I'm in that situation is when I cast and maybe I get caught in some place, you know, and I'm going, oh, dear God, get me out of this, right? Or there's a snake, and I've gone, hey, Jesus, help me, you know. I've, the Holy Spirit hits me at those moments. 
But most of the time when I'm fishing, I'm just trying to be honest today. Most of the time when I'm fishing, I'm thinking about fishing. I'm thinking about catching a fish. So, so come on, don't lie to yourself about you're worshiping in a boat. Now, I did get on the Sea of Galilee just about eight weeks ago. Janie and I did it four years ago. We went out on the Sea of Galilee in a fishing boat. Actually, it's much bigger than what Jesus would have been on. But they sang some worship songs, and let me tell you, when you're in the Holy Land on the Sea of Galilee, and you're thinking stories and reading stories about Jesus walking on water, and you can worship in that boat. I get chill bumps thinking about it. Don't feed me a line that you're worshiping in your boat this morning. <clears throat> Here's another one I hear. Christians don't have to go to church. Church is the bride of Christ. The way you feel about the word of God is the way you feel about God. The way you feel about the bride of Christ is the way you feel about God. Don't, don't tell me that you're a growing, worshiping Christian if you casually date the bride of Christ. When, when Janie and I got back together, first thing I said to her is, there's nothing casual about this. I'm dating you with the possibility of marrying you. If you got a problem with that, you need to tell me now. She goes, nope. Four months later, we were engaged. See, here's what, here's what John says. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Since, since God hates, he detests, it makes him want to vomit, lying. Since Jesus said that when we lie, we're worshiping our Father in hell, why do we do it three, six, nine, twelve times a day? Why do we do that? I think part of the reason is because we believe lies about lies. We believe things like this. Lying is easier than the truth. <laughs> is it really? Because you've got to keep up with your lie, right? I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We already dealt with that one. I want to make myself look better because when the truth comes out, do you look better? No. I believe this will help me get ahead in whose economy? Your father in hell or your father in heaven? And then I just put, etc. Whatever excuse, you, you come up with an excuse. You see, when we start with one of these lies, it never stops there. It snowballs. The lies get bigger and they get harder to remember. And the real problem is when you lie to others and you lie to God and you lie to yourself, it's not long before you aren't just telling a lie, you're living a lie. And that does not honor your Father in heaven. Um, got the idea for this series from, uh, from Life Church, Craig Groeschel's church. And, and uh, he, several years ago, this is a massive church. They, they, have online, they were one of the first online churches. And, and they just, all over the world, people are watching their services. Several years ago, they asked people, to give them true confessions of why they lie. And I just, I've got three of I want to share with you today. Here's the first one. My whole life I've struggled with telling the truth. My problem is that I hate to disappoint people, so if I failed them, I lie about it. I also lie because I'm trying to impress people and to convince somebody to, uh, some people to do something I want them to do. I even lied to women in the past to get them to sleep with me. That's a positive e-harmony profile right there. Some of you women would still go out with him. I can fix him. Here's another one. I pretend that everything in my life is perfect, but the truth is I hate myself and most days I wish I would die. My family, my friends don't have any idea. No one knows that I think about killing myself every day. Listen to this one. My husband thinks I was a virgin when we were married. Not only was I not a virgin, 
But I had an abortion when I was 19, and now we can't get pregnant, and I'm afraid God is punishing me for my lies. Please pray for me. I don't know what to do. So let me give you a promise today. The more you lie, the more I lie, the more insecure you will become. Jesus compared it to building your house upon a sandy foundation. When the storm comes, he didn't say if the storm comes. When the storms come, the water is going to come and your, your foundation is going to crash. That's what lying does. It makes you insecure. So there's an opposite thing, and that's to build your life on truth. And I have a capital T here, and this, this stands for the truth of, of God's word. And, and we'll read this verse in a minute, but the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's, truth is a capital T person. All right? Ryan, come here if you would. I need, I need some help. So instead of building my life on lies, God wants me to build my life on his truth. Just stand right here, right in front of the camera. All right. So here's the deal. Let's say, uh, I got to see if I'm still on. Okay. Let's say that I'm here and this represents the true me, not the me I want you to know as pastor of New Life Community Church, the real me before God. The greater distance there is between me and truth the, the truth of God's word, the more I feel I need to lie to keep up an image that's not real in the first place. But if I move towards the truth and I believe the truth, no longer do I even feel the necessity to lie and the lies don't have any power over me. I, I move towards God's truth and he, he makes me feel more secure about my life. So let me give you a couple of verses. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, notice I put a capital W, a capital T, and a capital L. Truth is not some concept that you discover, like in many other religions. Truth is a person, and what we have that no other religion has is a relationship with the true God, the T God. Jesus says, I'm truth. Truth is a person. Way is a person. The life is a person. Build your life upon the rock. And see, we sing a song, and you know the song, and y'all love it. Y'all sing it loud when we sing it. I am who you say I am. I want to read you the lyrics to this. It says, who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. Who, who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. He died for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I am a child of God. In my father's house is a place for me. I am a child of God. And then here's what I want you to hear. The, the bridge says, I am chosen. So no matter how far I am, when I believe that I am chosen by God, I take a step towards truth. And then it says, I'm chosen, I'm not forsaken. When I move towards, uh, I believe I'm not forsaken, I move towards capital T truth. And my life is built more and more on foundation. And, and the enemy was, is screaming in my ear, you are not chosen, you are forsaken. But I'm not going to believe them because that, that moves me away from God. And that puts me on the sand. But when I believe truth, I move closer and closer to God. And he builds my life on a foundation. I don't even have to impress you anymore because my heavenly father is pleased with me. The reason, one of the biggest reasons that Jesus was not influenced by all of the religious leaders and all the people in his life, he knew who he was. He's the son of God. And when I know who I am, a child of God, lying doesn't appeal to me, and I don't have to try to impress you. So the last verse 
Jesus said in John 8, 31, 32, and, and it was in those v- lyrics of, of the song. Jesus said to the people who believed him, so he's talking to a bunch of Jews, and there were a bunch of Jews who believed. More didn't, but a bunch did. To the Jews who believed him, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. <laughs> you gotta remain faithful to the word of God. And if you do, look what he promises. When you're faithful to his teaching, you will know the truth. And the T, capital truth, will set you free. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for um, giving us your word which teaches us that your enemy is our enemy. Your adversary is our adversary. And while your enemy can't accuse you, God, he cannot accuse you. He can accuse us day and night. So help us to learn the truth of who we are and help us to build our lives on that foundation. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.